round of applause and welcome them into our Sunday morning experience here at our Conway location. We're thankful for all of you. And um, last week we had uh, a tremendous buzz of just comments and people talking about this particular series as it relates to how it has truly spoken to them and resonating with them. And so uh, I'm just really feeling that uh, we are speaking um, to where, as, as the old saying goes, where you scratch where people itch. I feel like a lot of us struggle with this particular area in our lives as it relates to our thought life and how our thoughts truly do impact how we live. And I uh, really we just want to dive into today's message and really begin with a question. And I need everybody's uh, full participation here because it's no fun as a speaker to speak to an audience and they don't participate. So question, how many of you have ever made one of those what I call an irrational, dumb, what in the world was I thinking kind of decision before? Let me see your hand. Ever made one of those kind of decisions? Uh, we all have. Uh, joined the club. We all have made those kinds of decisions. But I think perhaps the bigger question is, is why do we make those kinds of decisions? Well, we're going to unpack that here in just a moment. But let me put it to you this way. Uh, what's interesting is that uh, when it comes to the kind of decisions we make, at some point we have a thought. And the thought can go like this. We're going to decide to start eating healthy. I'm sure you probably have had those thoughts before. Maybe at the beginning of a new calendar year, you set new, new year resolutions, and you think, okay, I'm gonna get in shape, I'm gonna start eating healthy, and what do you do? You start eating healthy for two days. And then day three comes along, and what happens? Somebody brings a box of Krispy Kreme donuts into the office, and rather than eating just one, what do you do? You eat two or three or four, and they do top it off with a Diet Coke so you don't have to feel guilt afterwards. You know what I'm saying? So what happens is, is that all of a sudden we made an, an irrational decision. Another thing, maybe you have had those thoughts where you say, okay, I'm going to get my finances in order, and we're going to get out of debt, and so we're going to start making wise financial decisions. And you do great for 11 days until the AC goes out on your car. And then it kind of sets you in a tailspin financially, sets you back, and now all of a sudden you're freaking out because now you're further in debt. But what do you do? You soothe your emotions by going to the mall and buying a new outfit, a new pair of shoes to match your new outfit. You know what I'm saying? Some of you have never done those kind of things before, but I'm sure there's a few, maybe one or two that could relate. I'll never forget, Michelle and I, we made one of those uh, irrational decisions when we first got married. She had a car that was paid for. I had a car that was paid for. And guess what we did? We got a new car. As a matter of fact, I took a car, which happened to be a Jeep uh, Cherokee, which had, you know, SUVs, so you could fold down the seat. You had plenty of cargo space, and so we were traveling at that time, and it was perfect because we could, you know, throw all of our gear and all the things that we used, you know, to, to travel. And, and, and so, long story short, some friends of ours got a two-door little sports car, a little Mitsubishi Eclipse Turbo. We thought that was the coolest thing ever. We said, we need one of those. So what did we do? We took two cars that were paid for. One that actually fit our needs. And you know what we did? We traded them in for a small two-door Mitsubishi, Mitsubishi, I can't even say it, Mitsubishi Eclipse Turbo. What were we thinking? Now I got a car payment and a car that we don't even need. And after a while, didn't even like. So what happens is, is that our minds kick in to making these dumb, what was I thinking, irrational 
decisions. It's kind of like this. Maybe you've kind of encountered a situation where there was a rift, maybe between you and a friend or family member or co-worker, and you know you should make wrongs right. You know you should make amends. You know you should initiate an apology, but for whatever reason, you don't. Maybe there's a situation that you've encountered where you want to do the right thing, and you know you should do the right thing, but rather than doing the right thing, what do you do? You do the easy thing, which is nothing. So what happens is that a lot of times we will find ourselves in situations where we will make decisions, choices, and often what drives those decisions or cho choices is a thought process. And we don't realize it, but our brains are very complex. In other words, what happens is, is our minds, our brains are constantly evolving. And as a result, scientists have basically coined the phrase neurological pathways. We create these neurological pathways that basically once you think a thought, then you start thinking that thought over and over. It's a repeated process to the point to where eventually you start thinking those thoughts basically on default. Now, that's a good thing if it's good thoughts, but the problem is it becomes a bad thing when they're bad thoughts. And what happens is sometimes it can happen at the earliest of ages. So, for example, you take a baby who's sitting in a high chair, and the baby goo-goos and gagas and smiles at mommy, and mommy smiles back at baby and goo-goos goo -goo and gagas a little bit more. What happened? Baby smiles back at mommy, and what does the baby now learn? That smiling is good. Take that same baby. Baby touches a hot stove. Baby suddenly now encounters a thought. Hot stove, bad. Baby is throwing a fit. The baby's crying, has a temper tantrum. Why? Because baby wants a sucker. What does mom say? You can't have a sucker. What does baby do? Baby cries more. Baby wants a sucker. Mom says, you can't have a sucker. No more suckers. You're not getting a sucker. What does baby do? Baby cries more. Baby throws herself down on the floor, rolls around, has a big temper tantrum, causes a scene in the middle of Walmart. What does mom do? Mom gives her a sucker. What does baby associate with? Temper tantrums, whining and crying and throwing myself on the floor is good. If you have a 13-year-old who's spoiled, it's because you gave him a sucker on the floor at Walmart. So I think you get the point. The point is, is that we have this capacity to be able to think thoughts. And those thoughts repeat themselves over and over and over and creates pathways that over time becomes a pattern of what is normal. It's a default setting that the brain suddenly kicks into. And again, that can be a good thing as long as we're thinking productive, healthy, positive, constructive thoughts. But it can be a very bad thing, a very destructive thing, if we're thinking those unhealthy, unproductive, destructive kinds of thoughts. And so I think it's important when we understand and we realize what we must do in order to take the control back from the way we think. In other words, we got to think about what we think about. 
And so what did Paul the Apostle instruct us to do? Last week, if you were uh, maybe with us as we kick off this new series, I introduced to you a uh, verse or passage of Scripture from the Apostle Paul. We're going to look at the same one again, plus another one that Paul the Apostle shares with us. It's very, very powerful that we're going to really learn from and unpack today. But let me remind you of what we learned last week in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4, and it goes like this. Paul said, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have, say it out loud, divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it, what? Say it out loud. Obedient to Christ. So what do we do? What we do is we win the war of the mind. You see, the battle is won or lost in the mind. So there's a battle. There is a spiritual battle that takes place inside of our minds. And we got to understand that when it comes to winning the, the war over the way that we think, we cannot do it on our own. We've got to have the divine power, the resurrection power. We've got to have God's divine power through his word to literally change and transform the way that we think. Why? Because your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Did you get that? Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And so today what I want to do is I want to unpack kind of part two of this series as we continue to learn from the Apostle Paul who learned how to overcome a lot of the irrational thoughts that he even struggled with. He even said uh, in, in Corinthians, you know, the things that I want to do, I don't end up doing. And then the things that I, I you know, I, I want, I, I don't want to do, or excuse me, I want to do, I don't end up doing. And so there was always this tension and this contradiction until he eventually discovered how to control his thoughts. And so we can do the same thing. And here's what Paul said. Paul was desiring to go to Rome and to share the gospel, the good news of Christ there in the city of Rome. At the time, Rome, as you know, was a military empire and very influential. And so he felt like, you know, so goes Rome, so goes the rest of the world. They desperately needed the gospel. So Paul goes to Rome to preach the gospel. And what happens? He gets thrown into prison. So now Paul is in prison. And so he decides to write a letter, a note, and send it to his brothers and sisters in Christ that's living in a place called Philippi. So while he's sitting in a prison cell, he's writing this letter, and he wraps up his letter with these words in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And so he says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Now, Paul could have just right there, he could have called the time out, and when he said one final thing... He could have turned the focus on himself. He could have said, in one final thing, it would mean a great deal if you would pray for me. One final thing, keep me in your prayers because things aren't looking so good. One final thing, hey, the circumstances are really bad. Hey, one final thing, keep me in your prayers because chances are, due to circumstances, I will never get out of this place. Keep me in prayer. One final thing. Listen, there's no hope for me. My future's really bad. He could have focused on the negative. 
And he had every right to because he was literally in a prison cell being sent, re- waiting basically for his, his death sentence. But instead, notice what he said. One final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. How in the world could a person write those kinds of thoughts, share that kind of advice with people outside of prison, people who are living in freedom, while he was incarcerated behind bars. And yet he is sharing with his friends, hey, one final thought. Whatever you do, don't fix your thoughts. Don't fix your focus on yourself. No, fix your thoughts on God. Focus on God. Focus on truth. Focus on what God says about you. And I think it's important that if we really want to control the thoughts that control our lives, then we've got to do what? We've got to rewire our brain. Why? Because our Listen, our, our, our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thought. Let me put it to you this way. What goes inside of our mind will eventually come out in our life. It's, listen, it's totally impossible to live a positive life when you have a negative mind. So if you want to control the way you live, you've got to be able to control the way that you think. So that can't happen on our own. What do we do? We have to do what God's word says, and that is to renew our mind. Listen, it's important that we understand that there are some principles, that there are some some things that we can do to retrain, if you will, to rewire our brain. Now, scientists call it rewiring the brain. God's word calls it renewing the mind. And so what we have to do is we have to allow the word of God that Romans 12, 2 teaches to renew our minds. Why? So that we can ultimately change our lives. But it begins by changing the way you think. So you've got to think about what you think about. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to learn to do something. It's an exercise on how to train your mind. Because it doesn't just naturally happen. We have to do something. We have to be proactive and take the initiative when it comes to reprogramming or retraining or renewing our mind. Let me put it to you this way. It's kind of like training your body. Now, if I were to train my body, one of the things that I might do is I might go over to the gym. And if I were to pick up a, a dumbbell and I were to start doing curls with that dumbbell and I repeat that process many, many times, week after week, what, what am I doing? I'm actually building strength. I'm building muscle mass in my bicep. Can't you, been, can't you tell I've been doing that for a long time? So what do you do? If you do curls, what are you doing? You're working on exercising and building strength and muscle mass in your bicep. The same is true with the way that we train our minds. Now, one of the things that's interesting about training your body is that you can go into the gym and you can train your body by lifting weights. And any person who is really serious about living a healthy, a well-balanced, healthy life will tell you that it's so much more than just what you do with your body. Because there's another side to that. It's not just what you do with your body, it's what you put into 
your body if you really want to be healthy and truly physically fit and physically healthy. Why? Because you can do weights all day long. But if we're eating potato chips and pizza and ice cream all day, every day, then we're being counterproductive on living a healthy life. Same is true with the way that we live when it comes to training our minds. We must train our minds much like the way we train our body because we have to be cautious and careful about what we allow to come into our mind. Why? Because what we, what we think about, what comes inside of our mind, as we stated, will come out in our life. So how do you do that? Well, there are two disciplines, and one that we're going to talk about today is what is referred to as the discipline of meditation. Now, the second one is called reframing your mind, and we're going to save that for next week. In fact, my wife, Michelle, is actually going to speak specifically to that topic on reframing your mind and tie that in to speak life and hope and encouragement to moms and to ladies to, to also rethink and to ultimately reframe some things as it, as it relates to shaping their thoughts in the role that they play in life. But can I just say this? Today, specifically... I think it's important that we learn the first discipline of training our minds, and that is to begin with the concept of meditation. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Rodney, you're getting, Pastor Rodney, you're getting, you're getting a, little, uh, a little out there. I mean, this sounds a little new agey. I mean, you, you, you want us to go out and get some, you know, some, some stretchy pants and sit down in a little, little, little crisscross applesauce on a little soft mat, and we're just going to hum, and you know, we're just going to recount all these little chants. Is that what you're saying to do? Is that what you're referring to? No, 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 no. no. I mean, if, you, if you're into that kind of stuff, oh, that, that's, that, that's fine. I'm not going to judge you. But that's not meditation. There's maybe a form of some meditation, but that's not the kind of meditation that the Word of God teaches. What is meditation? Let me define it for you. Meditation is to engage in mental exercise to focus one's thoughts. It's exactly what Paul was emphasizing in Philippians. What did he say? Fix your thoughts. Focus your thoughts. How do you do that? You do that through meditation. Psalm 119 verse 15 says it this way. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees and I will not neglect your word. In Psalm 143, verse 5, the psalmist says, I meditate on all your works and consider what you have done. What do we do? When we meditate, we are focusing our thoughts. We're engaging in mental exercise. We are renewing our minds. We are reprogramming the way that we think. Why? Because we'll never be able to control what we do until we first control how we think. So last week, one of the things that we learned is that we've got to, we got to begin by naming or identifying whatever stronghold the enemy is using to hold this back. What is a stronghold? It's a lie. It is a form of deception that is not true, but we have embraced it as truth. Therefore, we have believed a lie that has become true to our lives. Why? Because we have chosen to think on those things. We have chosen to believe the lies rather than believing the truth. And so what happens? We 
create those pathways and we repeat that negativity over and over. We're rehearsing the lies and the deception over and over in our minds until those lies become true in our minds. And that's the reason why they become strongholds. That's the reason why we become incarcerated. That's the reason why those strongholds have control over us rather than us controlling the strongholds. So how do we do that? You first begin by naming and identifying whatever stronghold that is. It could be fear. It could, it could be this desire, this unquenchable need or desire for approval and acceptance with other people. It could be a fear of failure. It could be something related to your past and you have believed the lie that you are what you did or what someone did to you. And so you believed, you rehearsed those lies over and over to where you believe that to be true about you. You suddenly now have allowed certain things to creep inside of your mind that has now polluted your heart that has become a belief that has become true in your mind, even though it is a lie. And so what we have to do is we have to identify whatever it is and say, okay, that's the lie. Why? Because if you can't name it, you can't defeat it. So you've got to name the lie. Now, one of the things that um, happened is if you were here last week, you heard me talk about a couple of computer issues. And um, in fact, I'm going to invite our band to come up at this time um, because we're going to do something here to engage in a little mental exercise. Um, Michelle was out of town. She came home and she was complaining about her phone. There was some issues with her little uh, iPhone. And so I was still having a few issues with my computer. So we set up a, a, um, a, an appointment with the Genius um, bar there at the Apple store. So we went into the Apple store and uh, talked to the, the genius at the Apple store. And honestly, this guy was probably the smartest guy I've ever talked to. This guy was incredible. I mean, he truly, he, he embodied the name genius. I don't think I've ever been around a person who knew technology more than this guy. So he fixed Michelle's phone. He's helping her get her computer and her phone and everything all synced up, good to go. In fact, I think we have a picture there. We're sitting. So, so now I'm, I'm intrigued by what he was doing with her phone and her computer. And so I just so happened to have my computer with me. I said, well, hey, could you, while we're here, and while I'm here, hey, I got my computer. Would you mind taking a look? Because I'm having some issues and this and that. And so he pulled, I pulled out my computer. And so here's what he did. He said, we need to run a little diagnostic thing, a little diagnostic test on your computer. And so he said, you have daisy disc. I said, what? I said, I don't know what you're talking about, daisy disc. What, what is that? And he said, that, that's a little program. He said, if you don't have it, I'll download it. And we put it on your computer right now. And he said, it'll tell me exactly, you know, what, what is occupying all of your space on your, on your hard drive. So he downloads this little app. And honestly, there's no way in the world I could articulate what in the world this little thing did and how it works. The only way I know how to do it is maybe show you a little video. So I got a video. Check this out.
That's the reason why I couldn't explain it to you. So what was amazing about this experience was this. Once again, he helped me to understand when he took a, a moment. He said, you know what? He said, there are some unidentified things that are taking up a lot of storage space on your computer. So when he ran this little program, all of a sudden, in full color, it suddenly detected the unknown files and suddenly the names appeared as to what those unknown files were and what was causing my computer to drag and to act slow. And it was simply because I had all of these files. I was eating up so much space. And he said, do you use all of this? I said, I don't even know. He said, then chances are you don't need it. He said, if you don't need it, delete it. So I said, okay. So all of a sudden, we start deleting all of these files. Why? Because I didn't need it. And as a result, we have to do the same thing. We have to delete the files that we don't need. If you don't need it, delete it. Get rid of whatever it is that's occupying, that is, that is, that is creating your mind to function differently than the way God wanted you to be able to live. God did not, listen, he did not create you to live your life subject to bondage and slavery, to unhealthy, toxic, negative, debilitating, destructive thought patterns. No, he said, rather than conform to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Allow the divine power to literally crush, to defeat the strongholds, the lies that are holding you hostage. Instead, make those thoughts come into submission and make them obedient to Jesus Christ. So if you want to have victory over your life, you got to name those files, name those thoughts. And if you don't need it, you need to delete it and you need to get rid of it. So as you're meditating, ask God, God, reveal to me whatever lie I'm still holding on to. As you're meditating, as you're thinking what you're thinking about, ask God to show you, to reveal to you, to help you to understand the negative, toxic, thoughts that you've been thinking and as you're taking a few moments and I highly recommend here's what you do that you spend a few moments early in the morning before you head off to work before maybe you get the kids to school or whatever or maybe even after you get to work if you have a few moments just to have maybe five minutes to yourself free from distraction and what you do is you simply just fix your thoughts you focus your thoughts you engage in mental exercising exercise and what do you do you ask God God show me help me to understand what negativity that I've allowed into my mind so you name it why so you can defeat it so here's what you do you not only identify or you name the stronghold but you replace it with a truth that demolishes that stronghold. So you get a verse of scripture, you get a promise, and you take the lie and you replace it with the truth. That's how God begins to renew your mind. That's how you begin to create new pathways to where now your mind is repeating those same thoughts over and over. But rather than repeating lies, you're repeating truth over and over in your minds to where now your default setting is to think what is true, what is honorable, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable, good report, whatever it is, that's what you're thinking about. So you meditate. How do you do that? 
Engage in mental exercise. You train your thoughts just like you train your body. Why is that important? Because what you allow inside of your mind will ultimately come out in your life. So you've got to name the lie and you've got to replace the lie with the truth. So here's how you do this. You may want to write this down. As you are engaging in mental exercise, as you're meditating, you take three, five, ten minutes, whatever you can do. Let it build over time. But here's what you do. You name it. You write it. You replace it. You declare it. And you believe it. You name it. You write it. You replace it. You declare it. And you believe it. You name it. You write it. You replace it. You declare it. And you believe it. You name it. You write it. You replace it. You declare it and you believe it. You name it, you write it, you replace it, you declare it, and you believe it. Are you with me? That's what you're doing. You are refocusing your mind on what God says about you. So we're going to engage in a little exercise and we're going to make a declaration. We're going to name something and that's between you and the Lord. Whatever it is, you need to identify it. But what you're going to do is you're going to later write it when you get some time. But today, here's what we're going to do. We're going to replace it. We're going to declare it. And we're going to walk out of here believing it. So I'm going to ask you to invite. invite I just want to invite everybody to, to stand quickly to your, to your feet. And as you're standing to your feet, I've written 18 declarations that are available on our website. You can download this. It's a little PDF. You can just download it off of our website. And so we don't have time to do all 18 today. You can get those later. And I would encourage you to print that out, post it somewhere, keep it in your Bible, keep it in your little journal, something where you're writing these things out. Keep the truth in front. Keep these little declarations in front of you. Because this is what you're going to use to replace the lies. And you're going to allow God to give you scripture verses that you're going to stand on, these promises that you're replacing the lies with. So that as you place them, you're declaring the truth, and then ultimately you're believing the truth. So we're going to practice this. This is what we do to retrain, to train our minds. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to share some affirmations. So I want you to repeat these with me out loud together. I am strong and mighty. I have the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwelling inside of me. I am a weapon of righteousness in a world of darkness. I am not my past. I am not what I did. I am who God says I am. He says I am forgiven. He says I am redeemed. He says I am free. I am not a hostage to unhealthy thoughts. The weapons I fight with are not the weapons of this world. I have divine power to demolish strongholds. I have the mind of Christ directing my thoughts. I have the word of God guiding my steps. Worry is not my master. I trust in God. His peace guards my heart, guards my mind, and guards my soul in Christ Jesus. My God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. I am not a slave to my habits. I am not a prisoner to my addiction. I have been rescued from the power of darkness and brought into the kingdom of God's light. 
I am empowered. I am chosen. I am called. I am a masterpiece of God created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has prepared in advance for me to do. God, my God will bless me abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all I need, I will abound in every good work. My God is for me. My God is with me. No weapon formed against me will prosper. By God's power, I can change. Now, do you believe that this morning? Because we have to name it. Listen, we got to write it. We got to replace it. We got to declare it. And we got to believe it. So if you want to win the battle of the mind, we've got to understand the only way we can win it is through the power, God's divine power, at work in our lives. I'm all for self-help books. I'm all for listening to positive thinking stuff. I'll take that any day than reading negative books and destructive stuff. <laughs> I'm all for that. That's okay. Nothing wrong with all that stuff. But that stuff alone will not change and transform your life. Only the renewing of the Word of God. Only the power, the divine power of the Word of God can truly replace, repair, restore the negative toxic thoughts, the lies that the enemy has used as strongholds in your life. So today, as a way for us to walk in victory, why? Because the Bible says when you know the truth, the truth will, what, set you free. So you can't live a life of freedom until you're walking and living in truth. So how do we do that? focus our mind. We fix our thoughts on God. What do we do every day? Take a few moments. We name the lies. We write it down on paper. We replace it with a verse of scripture. We declare that truth and that promise. What do we do? We believe in our hearts what God says about us. Amen. That's how we win the war and win the battle of the mind. Let's bow our heads together and